everybody. Welcome back. I'm your co-host, Rach. I'm your co-host, Rebecca. And welcome to another episode of Ember Island Sayers. This week, we're talking about Season 1, Episode 9, The Waterbending Scroll. In this episode, Aang, Sokka, and Katara make camp near a waterfall where Katara begins to teach Aang waterbending. Witnessing Aang's natural ability leads Katara to steal a waterbending scroll from a group of pirates, which alerts Zuko to their location and causes chaos to ensue. Dun dun dun! (laughs) Yay, it's returned! So, uh, what did you learn in this episode, Rach? I learned that two copper pieces are not sufficient to buy a waterbending scroll. (laughs) (laughs) And that Aang is really bad at haggling. Oh, yes. He's adorable while he's doing it, though. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, he is really cute, but, uh, yeah, really, really bad. (laughs) How about you? What did you learn? Um, I learned many things. We had a lesson at the end of the episode. Oh, yeah. Which which Katara gave to us, which actually I'm going to talk about because I don't think that's a very good lesson. What I learned in this episode was that Sokka would probably make a pretty good pirate. He was pretty convincing in this episode, I'm not going to lie. And he really knew how to play to the pirates' kind of superstitions and their attitude towards things. So, yeah, I think he'd be a pretty good pirate if he wanted to be. He's really good at the commerce side of things. He's good with money. (laughs) Yes, yes, he is. Personally, I think they should have put Sokka in charge of the money and not Katara or Aang. (laughs) I agree, and one of the things that occurred to me this episode was that they really should have listened to him and gotten the money and supplies from the villagers two episodes ago. (laughs) I think they did get some supplies, but that was very short-lived, as we will talk about. (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But their main source of money, as we learn in this episode, is coming from King Boomy. They swiftly ran out of money. (laughs) Yeah, they were not very good at, at keeping track of their money. (laughs) I mean, they are, like, 12 and 14 and 15-year-olds, so I really don't blame them for that at all. (laughs) I can't say I was very savvy with my money when I was that age. (laughs) That is a very good point. I was not at all savvy with my money at that age, so (laughs) I take back my, uh, my criticism. Okay, so we, this week, are continuing our new segment, which was provisionally titled, Rebecca Tries to Guess Which Random Thing Will Come Back. (laughs) And we've now retitled it to what is the Iroh's flip-flop of this episode, right? (laughs) Is that what we're going with? (laughs) For now, yeah. (laughs) Okay, good. What is the Iroh's flip-flop of this episode? So my guess, so you had told me that there were a lot of things that came back in this episode. Yes. (laughs) It would be really funny if I guessed the one thing that didn't come back in this episode. But my guess is the weird statue thing that they see when they're in the the pirate store that is like an ape and it has like glowing red eyes ding 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 it does come back yes Ah! (laughs) i'm so happy what's your prize oh i don't know how about one copper coin Perfect. I'm sure I can buy many waterbending scrolls. Wow, I'm impressed. I was worried that that was going to be completely off. The monkey head encrusted with red jewels is what we're calling it, I guess. (laughs) That actually comes back in two more episodes. Wow. Awesome. I Maybe this is the place to talk about um, the fact that when I was watching this and I saw that thing, Katara stares at it for a really long time. And I, it actually made me think, like, when she was being really sort of aggressive towards Aang later in the episode, I, w- I wondered if they were going to reveal that it was because of the monkey head, that maybe it had, like, influenced her <laughs> somehow. It kind of reminds me of Abu and Aladdin when he sees, like, the shiny jewel and he picks it up. Yes, 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 yes. I know, I know which, which scene you mean, yes. And you can just see it in his eyes, like, the re- big red thing in his eyes. And yes. Aladdin's like, no! I feel like that's how Sokka was in this episode. (laughs) Sokka was doing a lot of, like, pseudo-parenting in this episode. He was, for sure. But yeah, I'm guessing that it wasn't influencing Katara, and she was just actually jealous of Aang. So we can talk about that later on, because I think that's a really interesting 
part of this episode. Yes, definitely. Did you have a couple of things you wanted to talk about now? Yeah, I need to make a clarification from a couple of weeks ago when we talked about how Iroh was going to get his hands crushed by the Earth Kingdom soldiers, and we were trying to figure out if that would prevent him from bending. And I mentioned that there is a character in Korra who didn't have any arms and could still waterbend. But I do think that Korra changed a lot of the rules of bending. Like, I went back and did a bit of research, and they did change a lot of the rules. So I think we should just stick to the Avatar rules of bending when we're watching this show. And there are some prisoners in the future, and the way they are prevented from bending is by having their hands bound. Okay, fair enough. I thought you were going to say the prisoners had their hands cut off, and I was like, wow, that's dark. <laughs> no, but that episode is extremely dark. So. Okay, all right. Well, that's that's coming, I guess. That's in season three. but Got it. Yeah, I think, you know, I don't know if I'm going to watch Korra afterwards. I guess it will depend on how I feel. Yeah, I think it's best for the purposes of this podcast to stick to the Avatar rules. Yeah, I think so, too. We'll, we'll do that from now on. <laughs> Sounds good. And then I also wanted to give a fun fact about the guy who voices the pirate captain, and the voice actor's name is Jack Angel. And I looked up his IMDb, and he seems to be kind of the go-to guy if you want a pirate to be in your (laughs) animated series. Oh my gosh, I love that. There's a guy who specializes in animated pirates. He did some voices in Treasure Planet. And many other Disney movies, and I thought you would be delighted to know that he did the voice of the shark in Toy Story. So he has one of the best lines, which is, I'm Woody! Howdy, howdy, howdy! howdy. howdy. (laughs) Which, weirdly, we have quoted many times to each other. so. So Jack Angel has some pretty iconic lines, even though he seems to be more of an additional voice actor. I thought that was pretty fun. (laughs) What a gem, or what an angel, I should say. Good one, Katara. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) That's a great fun fact. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, so we should talk about about him too, because um, I have I have some thoughts on the pirate captain and the pirates in general, which I don't think we really get their names, but I guess I'll just refer to them as what they look like. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So should we get into the episode? Yeah, I think we talked a lot. <laughs> We did, we did. Yeah, maybe this is going to be another long episode. We keep making these episodes longer and longer, and I just want the audience to know that Rach edits these podcasts, so feel bad for her. Her editing job gets worse every week, basically. It doesn't get worse. I think it's just fun. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. I'm glad you enjoy it, at least. But uh, you all should appreciate her hard work, because she's very good at editing this podcast, so. Aw, thanks. (laughs) So, yeah, let's get into the episode. I, one of my first thoughts watching this episode was I thought it was a beautifully animated episode. I really thought that the character design and the lighting and just how things were framed was so well done. (laughs) Yeah, I, the beginning, I loved the light that came through the clouds when they were riding on Appa. Yeah, that was really pretty. Stunning. And then when they were by the lake, I was looking at it and I was like, wow, I want to go to this lake. (laughs) It's so beautiful. It's so colorful and just serene. And uh, I don't know, it was it was like something out of like one of those posts you see on Instagram that's like this idyllic lake in the middle of nowhere. They're the new Instagram influencers. (laughs) (laughs) The gang. Yeah, I think it's just really nice to point that out because I feel like animation often doesn't get its due when people are talking about media, I guess. You can do stunning things in animation. I feel like this episode was really, really beautiful. Yeah, I think sometimes, too, that even films that are animated get a little bit more credit than maybe shows that are animated. And to me, it's amazing how much work is put into each episode And even though they're only, you know, around 20 minutes long, that's a lot of work to put into animating something. So I really appreciate that. Well, the reason why I think a lot of animation in TV shows is maybe not as high quality is because they have to produce so much. 
Yeah. So I think it can be a challenge sometimes to maintain that quality all the time. Avatar just seems to be getting consistently better as it goes along, which I really like. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. And I think it's, it's yeah, it's only going to continue from what I've seen. I've seen like little gifs and stuff of future episodes and they really, the animation <laughs> really does look different. We start with everybody riding on Appa again and Aang in the middle of a freakout as we predicted last episode. For someone who does suffer from panic attacks, that's really what it looked like to me. <laughs> so Really? I think he was having a panic attack and we don't often see Aang sort of lose it in this way. It's absolutely justifiable because <laughs> the news that Roku gave him in the last episode was... A little much. <laughs> Just a little. And Sokka is being really unhelpful throughout this whole thing. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, well, let's see. You pretty much mastered airbending, and that only took you 112 years. I'm sure you can master three more elements by next summer. Thanks, Sokka. Very helpful. He makes up for his unhelpfulness in the beginning of the episode by being helpful later on. Yeah. In this first scene, I was just like, come on, Sokka. I think he just deflects a lot with humor. That's just his personality. When something makes him uncomfortable or he doesn't know how to handle it, he responds with a joke. <laughs> that makes sense. I also noticed that he has seems to have become like the coachman for Appa. <laughs> yeah, I like that. It's funny because, you know, in the first episode, he couldn't even get Appa to fly. So <laughs> now he and Appa are like best buds. Yeah, that was my thought exactly, was that he's come so far since the first episode, uh, and it's it's fun to see them become friends. I enjoyed that. Aang is having this panic attack, and once again, Katara is the one to calm him down and reassure him and be like, well, if you need to learn waterbending, I'm a waterbender, so <laughs> let me teach you what I know. She's so sweet. They, I think their bond is really highlighted in this episode. As we go through, I think it will come up again and again how good they are when they work together. And I think it kind of just starts starts there, really. Even though, obviously, they have their problems in this episode, it only serves to highlight how good friends they are. Yeah, how much better they work when they work together. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, uh, somebody who doesn't really listen to his friends very much is Zuko. <laughs> somebody who doesn't know how to work with other people in any capacity. <laughs> no. And I guess Zuko doesn't really have friends. He has Iroh, but I don't know if we consider Iroh a friend, really. Yeah. He's a mentor and, you know, he he's certainly somebody who cares about Zuko, which I think is important because he doesn't really have anyone who cares about him. But he doesn't have any, like, friends of his age. And I think what kind of made me think about that is the fact that when he was fighting at the very beginning when he appears, when he's fighting against the guy, I don't know, some guy on the ship, and it just made me think, like, which crew member drew the short straw that he had to practice with Zuko? I don't think I would want that job, personally. Because if you did one thing wrong and made Zuko angry, that's about it for you. <laughs> he literally breeds fire in this episode. Yeah, that was pretty scary. <laughs> and it was over a pretty minor inconvenience, too, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was very... He was full-on Zuko angsty mode in this episode. He was. Just very grumpy, and he hated everything. We get this little section where Iroh is playing Pai Show, and he tells Zuko that he has lost his lotus tile, which is... Not good. <laughs> no, I thought that when he gave his line about the lotus tile, I thought there was going to be some sort of lesson associated with the lotus tile, and I didn't really find one associated with that. I found one associated with some of the other stuff he says later, but not specifically with the lotus tile. I don't know if you found anything. I don't think it comes up in this episode, but it definitely comes up in the future. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so he says... Most people think the lotus tile insignificant, but it is essential for the unusual strategy that I employ. Iroh employ some very unusual strategies in the future. 
I mean, he does seem to be a strategist. That is definitely suggested by the fact that he he had that very long siege on the Earth Kingdom capital. Yes. That kind of gives us an indication that he, as well as being a... Was he a captain? A general. General. As well as being a general, he is able to think very strategically, which I guess is good for a general. Well, there are some not very good generals in history, but we, we won't get into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, I can I can see how it might come up later in this episode. I don't think it really does. Yeah, I agree. But the lotus tile itself comes back very much so in the future. Okay. That's that's another Iroh's flip-flop of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I almost went for something related to Iroh when I guessed, but I was like, because it's Iroh's flip-flop is the name of the segment, I was going to go for something different, so. <laughs> <laughs> so we get a lot of cutting back and forth in this episode, so I think it's probably easiest for us to cut back and forth too, because the, again, the stories kind of intersect with each other. Yeah. So if we go back to Aang and, and Sokka and Katara, they find this stunning lake with a waterfall, and Katara starts to teach Aang waterbending. I really like this scene. <laughs> I thought the humor was really well done, and Aang is kind of like that annoying kid that's naturally good at everything. <laughs> it reminds me of my little brother, because he can just pick up Mostly when it comes to, like, sports. Like, one time we went kayaking, and it was his first time kayaking ever. And he just, like, picked up the paddle, got in the kayak, and started going. Meanwhile, all of us were, like, paddling in circles and, like, getting stuck in the reeds of the water. <laughs> I was like, this is so not fair at all. <laughs> Aww. So that's kind of what it reminded me of, but... I did think that at least Aang was really sweet and humble about it and wasn't one of those people that gets annoying about how good they are at things. <laughs> no, I mean, Katara was getting annoyed, but he wasn't being super annoying about it. He even credited her. He said, oh, you know, I'm good because I had a good teacher. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I think the fact that he knows airbending already and has mastered it definitely gives him a one-up in, in this position because once you learn one of the elements, then you can apply that to the other one. So I kind of look at the elements in like a wheel sort of way. So water and fire are opposite of each other and then earth and air are opposite of each other. So air and water are next to each other on the wheel and they're pretty similar in nature when it comes to bending. Yeah, they're also related like, you know, when we think about like in our own atmosphere, what is in the air, a large part of it is water. It, it kind of makes sense that they would be connected in that way. Yeah, so he he has the upper hand in, in this situation and she shouldn't feel bad about it, but she does. <laughs> she does, yes. Maybe now is the time that we kind of talk about this different side to Katara that's shown in this episode. I think we finally start to see some of her character flaws because she's definitely been shown to be a little hot-headed before, but it's always been a very justified sense of... Like, when she was yelling at Sokka because he was being sexist, I was like, okay, yeah, he deserves to be yelled at. Right, right. <laughs> but in this instance, she gets hot-headed because she's jealous of Aang. Yeah, I totally agree with you that it's a really interesting thing to see this other side of her, because so far she has always been portrayed as this very morally upstanding person. And... I also think that what's nice about it is that it's completely understandable. Yes, definitely. From her point of view, because she is, I mean, first of all, she's pretty young. And second, she is somebody who's been practicing pretty much on her own for a really long time. And I'm sure she found it very difficult, you know, when she was starting out. And she's proud of what she's managed to accomplish so far. And then Aang comes along and he can just <laughs> do it all right away. I can totally understand why she'd be frustrated. I mean, I can't say that I wouldn't be frustrated if a situation like that popped up, so. Yeah, I absolutely. I think in the same situation, I would feel that way too. And it was funny because she also reminded me again of Jean Grey, because I've compared her to Jean Grey from the X-Men before. Mm -hmm. 
she reminded me of her because Jean, I think, is another character who has this tendency to... She's very morally upstanding most of the time. 90% of the time. <laughs> but sometimes, if something sets her off, she will shift those moral values um, and do things like Katara stealing the waterbending scroll in this episode. <laughs> Or just, you know, set those aside for a minute because something has really set her off. I like it because it's it's realistic. Definitely. And the way they did it was really well done. And again, adding the sort of humor to it because they played this kind of like upbeat, goofy music while Aang was bending perfectly. And then Katara just unceremoniously dropped her water back in the river and was like, okay. <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> the look on her face was priceless. <laughs> it really was. Yeah, and it's interesting because she described it as being competitive. I didn't think of it that way, but I can I can see that sort of thing. And I think because she has never met another bender of her age really before she met Aang, there might be this little competitive side to it because she's had to fend for herself this whole time yeah that I think that definitely makes sense and just as somebody who probably hasn't had a lot of interaction with people her age there didn't seem to be that many people her age in her tribe right just Sokka <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it kind of makes sense that a lot of these emotions that we experience as we're growing up when we're around people our own age I feel like she would only just be experiencing some of those now. Yeah, that makes sense. And we've seen her be jealous before, too, when there was a lot of attention being given to Aang, although I think that was a different kind of jealousy. Mm, yeah. Because it was more about she was jealous that Aang was getting a lot of attention, but not, she didn't really want that attention for herself. But again, it's it just kind of builds into her character, I think, really nicely. Yeah, I agree. It's nice to see, I think last episode we were talking about how it's nice to see Aang's flaws, and now we see Katara's flaws as well. We've certainly seen plenty of Sokka's flaws. <laughs> Sokka isn't afraid of wearing his flaws on his sleeve, and I like that about him. <laughs> I like that too. And it also means there's room for growth with Sokka, which is always really cool. And all of the characters, really, I think you get to see them growing. This is when Aang washes away all of their supplies and their money because he manages to do the water bending wave and Sokka has a pretty iconic line here. <laughs> he says, My life was hard enough when you were just an airbender. <laughs> I can't imagine how Sokka's gonna feel when Aang manages to master all the elements. <laughs> I think part of Sokka's character development though is kind of admiring the bending rather than calling it like weird magic or however he describes it. So he'll get a little better with that in the future. <laughs> He's a little bit of a Han Solo type. I called him Ron Reasley last episode. This episode, <laughs> he is Han Solo. That's not how the force works. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Or just, you know, when Han Solo is very dismissive of the force and thinks it's all hokey and stuff, and then he ends up kind of believing in it. So, yeah, he, he definitely has some Han Solo traits in him. Well, I happen to love Ron and Han Solo, so... <laughs> there you go. It's no surprise that Sokka was my favorite character the first time I watched this show. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. I like Sokka a lot, too. I've said this before, but I, I like him a lot, too. I like all three of them a lot, which is is nice, because um, sometimes you always have that one character that you like don't like as much, but I, I like all three of them very much in different ways. So, yeah, so as you mentioned, unfortunately, Aang washes all their supplies away, which means that they have to go and get some more. So they go into this kind of seaside village. Yes. They happen upon uh, this dude who very much reminded me of Jack Sparrow. <laughs> and we never really learn his name, so I'm just going to call him Jack Sparrow, if that's okay. Okay. But he did remind me of Jack because... He is very much that pirate who is kind of a little bit clueless and doesn't seem super aware of what he's doing. I really love his character design, though. I just wanted to point out that I, I love the character design throughout this whole episode and how much 
thought and little details they put into even these really minor characters. I thought that was really well done. Oh yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I, I really like the design of the, the captain too, who they meet shortly afterwards. Mm-hmm. I wrote in my notes that I would like his hat and his bird, please. <laughs> I don't think he would take two copper pieces for that though. <laughs> Damn it. He has a really cool hat. And he reminded me a bit of if, if, if the other guy was Jack Sparrow, then he reminded me of um, Captain Barbosa in the Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean. But yeah, he was really cool, and I love that bird. That bird was awesome. The reptile bird. <laughs> yes, which, according to some people, birds kind of are reptiles, which is kind of true. I maintain that they're an improved version of reptiles. <laughs> they go into this pirate ship slash store, which they realize they're pirates pretty quickly, I think. But they have this, this waterbending scroll, which Katara immediately wants, because she's very excited, I think, to have something, or to see something that is from a water tribe. Yeah, not only that, it's going to be really helpful to her to learn some moves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. After some terrible haggling... <laughs> They fail to get the scroll, unfortunately. <laughs> I like that Aang thought that putting on the accent would, like, get him some points or something. <laughs> I know, yeah. He was like, they'll totally believe I'm one of them if I speak like a pirate. That was really funny. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed his, his, his pirate speak. I just enjoyed all the piratiness in this episode. It was very fun. Yeah, and then we get this chase scene, and none of them are really quite sure why the pirates are going after them, except for, of course, Katara. But she kind of brushes it off like, I don't know. <laughs> I just really want to get out of here. It's giving me a creepy feeling. <laughs> I guessed pretty quickly that she had stolen it. Oh, you had? Yeah, yeah. Partly because she was kind of shifty in how quickly she wanted to leave. But also because it made me think when the pirates just started attacking them for no reason. It made me think about the Pirate's Code, which I don't know that much about. I know a little bit about pirates, but I'm no expert or anything. Generally, what a pirate crew would do is they would establish their own kind of law system, which would be their, their code. And within that code, generally stealing was something that was punishable in various... Uh, scary ways. <laughs> but it just made me think when they started chasing her that they wouldn't be doing that for no reason. Mm. Because even though pirates uh, obviously operate outside the law, they have their own code that they live by. And it made sense that somebody stealing from them, they would go back in and get it. I'm assuming too that pirates don't really go after children that much. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong in that assumption. <laughs> I think some pirate codes might have had some stuff about not going after children, and there were differences depending on, I think, which captain you had about how, you know, you treated captives. Uh, I was telling you the other day about there's a very famous Chinese pirate who is actually a female, which is unusual sometimes in piracy. Ching Shi. I don't know if that's how you pronounce it, so I'm sorry if it's incorrect. But she had her own specific code that was different to, I think, some of the other pirates, which was related to captives who were women. And if you wanted to keep one of your captives who was a woman, you had to marry her. Yeah, so she had her own specific code. But I think it is interesting that pirates kind of established their own form of government. There's a very good book, I'm told, called The Republic of Pirates. Okay. A lot of people who watch Black Sails, which this is my plug again. If you're over 18, watch Black Sails. And also listen to Fathoms Deep, which is a great podcast. A lot of people who watch Black Sails have mentioned this this book to me. They've said that it's really good, so I think I might check it out one day. But it, it talks about this idea that pirates were, in some ways, a little bit ahead of their time in terms of how they governed themselves, which is kind of cool. I don't know if I like these pirates that much because they did steal from a, the water tribe, <laughs> which is not good considering the water tribe was raided by the Fire Nation and they're already kind of trying to just survive. So to steal one of their 
really important relics and pieces of history is not a nice thing to do. (laughs) No, no. They certainly were not good guys. (laughs) But I think there's this appeal of, if I look at it from sort of an academic perspective, I think the appeal of pirates is this idea of the freedom that they have. Yeah. And the idea that they are outside of society, which in many cases can be very restricting. And I think that's what Black Sails is about. Just to put my sort of academic hat on for a little <laughs> That's why I think pirates are so appealing. Yeah, and I guess these pirates too are part of the Earth Kingdom. So they're supposed to be ruled under a monarchy and they're rejecting that, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. I hadn't either until you mentioned (laughs) pirate law. (laughs) Awesome. So yes, they do chase the gang, justified really. (laughs) And we get to see the return of a somewhat famous character. My cabbages! And we also get to see him snuggling his cabbage, which is an image that I have seen many times on Twitter, and now I know where it comes from, so... Yeah, yeah. He maybe needs to not be so obsessed with his cabbages. (laughs) I agree. He needs to relinquish his earthly possessions. Yes, especially because, you know, cabbages are plants. They belong to the earth. (laughs) So you don't need to be so possessive over your cabbages. But I do. (laughs) I mean, we've talked about this before. And the cabbage merchant is not someone we should be discussing philosophically. But (laughs) he was really a jerk and wanted Aang and Katara and Sokka to be beheaded. So... (laughs) (laughs) He's not the best person. I don't really have much sympathy for him, even though they destroy his cabbages a lot. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you. I think he's just funny. Yes. And I will say, I still prefer Foaming Mouth Guy. I'm glad Foaming Mouth Guy comes back one more time. Me too. He he deserves it. So they managed to escape the pirates, thanks to Aang. Yeah, they cling on to Aang's glider, and I think this is the first time we see all three of them hitch a ride on Aang's glider. <laughs> I would love to hitch a ride on that glider. It looks so much fun. <laughs> I Yeah, I've always wanted to try hang gliding. Yeah, that's what it is like. Yeah, just because I, I don't know, I really like like certain rides at theme parks where I don't like roller coasters, but I like those rides like the Mexican hat where it feels like you're like flying in the air. So I feel like I would enjoy hang gliding. <laughs> Aang definitely enjoys it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and with Aang it would be even better because, you know, he can airbend, so I don't have to worry so much about something going wrong, because if it does, you know. (laughs) Yeah, he'll just airbend you out of that situation. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, thankfully they get away, and then in the meantime, we find out that Zuko and Iroh have actually ended up in the same town. Iroh comes to this trading village to look for a replacement for his lotus tile. Yeah, and he he ends up buying a bunch of other stuff. <laughs> I made a note that despite the fact that they are banished, Iroh and Zuko still seem to have luxuries that many others couldn't afford, including music night. <laughs> yes, it's true. He, uh, he seems to have a lot of ambitions for their ship. None of which include catching the Avatar. <laughs> <laughs> and Zuko is just being super grumpy again. But I really liked Iroh's line, which was, I always say the only thing better than finding something you are looking for is finding something you weren't looking for at a great bargain. Because even though I don't necessarily agree with him, because I feel like when that's happened to me, I've ended up buying stuff that I don't need. But it really ties in thematically to the episode because that's what happens with Zuko, for example, finding out where Aang is. He didn't necessarily mean to, but he found Aang and got him for relatively cheap. (laughs) (laughs) And then the same thing happens again with the pirates, which is that they they were trying to get their scroll back and then they find out that they have the Avatar, which is much (laughs) more valuable than the scroll. Yes, very true. So I I thought that was an, a nice little nod to the, the themes of the episode. Yeah, I like that. We find out that the reason why the pirates chased the gang is because Katara stole the scroll. I think Sokka's the one to sort of figure it out first. And he's really upset about it and kind of reprimands Katara for it. And this time it's actually Aang who finds the good middle ground because he says well what's done is done 
We have it. We might as well learn from it. I think Aang is right in this instance. <laughs> I think so, and I think that's something that Katara does in this episode. She learns, maybe not with the scroll specifically, but she learns from other mistakes. Yes. <laughs> because they then go on to practice using the waterbending scroll, and she learns how to do this kind of water whip thing. Yeah, the water whip. Again, Aang is very, very good at it. <laughs> and she ends up just accidentally whipping Momo in the butt. Yes, poor Momo. <laughs> I know, he didn't deserve that. This is when she really lashes out against Aang and makes him cry. Oh, I didn't notice that he was crying in that scene. Yeah, she made him cry. <laughs> poor Aang. I think she feels that way too. Oh yeah, definitely. I think immediately she's like, oh, that was not good to do, Katara. <laughs> yeah, and it is nice that she she does come and out and apologize to him straight away. I really do love how the characters hold themselves accountable and always make apologies when they do something wrong. I think that's sometimes rare in fiction. And it's good for a kids show too, because as much as obviously this isn't a educational show, (laughs) I still feel like it's a good thing for kids to watch characters who might be similar age to them and see them making mistakes and apologizing for those mistakes and making things right again. Yeah, there's some good life lessons for sure. (laughs) And, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that, like, every show has to be, like, super educational for kids or anything, but (laughs) it's still nice to see. So she apologizes to... I think she even apologized to Momo as well, right? Yes, because Sokka said... What about Momo? He's the real victim here. (laughs) That's right, and then Sokka asks her to apologize to him, and she's like, no... (laughs) Typical siblings. (laughs) They're great. I love their dynamic. And that's when Katara kind of says, well, I'm going to put this scroll away and we don't need it because it's kind of taking control of me and making me do stuff that I don't like. She says, okay, let's, let's throw the scroll away. But... That doesn't last long. (laughs) No. And again, I think it's another example of her kind of realigning her moral values to justify what she's doing. Mm -hmm. You know, she probably rationalized in her head, like, this will be good for me. I can learn more about my people and I won't make the same mistake again. Yeah. And I think she kind of wanted to catch up to Aang too. (laughs) Yeah, that as well. Unfortunately, it leads to her getting captured. Yes. Iroh and Zuko went into the pirate ship and they heard them talking about a bald monk and a little girl who ran away with the scroll and that's how they figured out, oh, it's the Avatar. And Zuko guesses pretty quickly that they're going to be near water because they're probably going to be practicing. Yeah, he strikes a deal with the pirates to go after them. Yeah, so they, they managed to get Katara and tie her up, and we get a super creepy scene. (laughs) This is a weird one, and it's been actually talked about a lot within the fandom. It's actually very out of character for Zuko, some people would say, but to me, it just demonstrates how he doesn't know how to react in any sort of social situation. (laughs) And in the future... We will see members of his family that really demonstrate these characteristics and act the way he acted in this episode on a daily basis. So I think he was just trying to take a leaf out of someone else's book. (laughs) That's really interesting. At this point, it's like, I don't think Zuko knows who he is, and I don't think he knows even what he wants. Like, he thinks that he wants... Aang and to restore his honor and come back to his father and his family, but he's very lost, and his personality demonstrates that, I think. Yeah, I also thought that it was a weird scene because the necklace thing comes up and then just gets dropped very quickly. Yeah, it'll come back. Of course, but just within the scene itself, it seemed kind of random that he brought up the necklace and then it was like, forgetting about it. But it also made me think of Peter Pan, (laughs) which is really weird. But I think maybe because of the pirates, the part when Tinkerbell goes to Captain Hook and kind of makes a deal 
Well, Captain Hook is trying to persuade her to make a deal that will essentially compromise Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. Because she's jealous of Wendy. Yes. And yeah, I don't know, for some reason it made me think of that, of like Zuko being in the Captain Hook role and, and Katara being kind of like Tinkerbell in the sense that she, you know, she is extremely loyal to Aang. Uh, just like Tinkerbell is loyal to Peter Pan, but she has this kind of jealousy that's pulling her away, and um, and Captain Hook has trying to manipulate her because of it. Yeah, I think it just shows that Zuko doesn't understand Katara at all. <laughs> like, really? You really think that offering her this physical object back will make her turn on her best friend and her brother? Like, okay, dude. <laughs> that is a good point. But as we discussed, he has no friends, so... (laughs) Right, right. And that's another thing, is, like, Zuko doesn't get it, because he doesn't have anyone in his life, or he doesn't know if he has anyone in his life that would do the same thing that Katara is doing for Aang and Sokka. Like I said, he just does not understand social skills. (laughs) No. At all. (laughs) Yeah, and I do feel bad for him because of that and for reasons that we've discussed in this episode already, but I do still think this scene is creepy AF. It, it really is, and I've been going very easy on Zuko, <laughs> but this is really not justifiable. Like, you tied this girl up to a tree and are threatening to hurt her and her brother, and you're trying to barter with the most precious thing that she owned so i don't know it's just not a good look (laughs) not cool zuko so yeah unsurprisingly it doesn't work right but they end up going to capture Sokka and ang anyway yeah the pirates find them uh and we get a really really funny line from Sokka in this scene (laughs) again (laughs) yeah he has a lot of good lines this episode he says no what i'm not good enough to kidnap which is such a legendary line. <laughs> it's so funny that he was kind of offended by the fact that he wasn't—he hadn't been kidnapped. They do go get kidnapped eventually and taken to Zuko. And this is when Sokka is really smart and realizes that Aang is much more valuable to the pirates than the waterbending scroll is. <laughs> right. <laughs> I did want to talk about something that happened a little bit before that. and Sure. Katara says, Aang, this is all my fault. And Aang goes, No, Katara, it isn't. And I was like, Yeah, it kind of is. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Which is funny. But it did make me think about something we've been discussing about how Katara has sort of seen Aang through these rose-colored glasses and been idealizing him as the Avatar. And I think that Aang almost sees her in the same way and sees her through these rose-colored glasses and is like, Katara can't do anything wrong, even though she just yelled at me in a very mean way. (laughs) It's interesting to see their relationship mature and progress and the way things are framed right now will change in the future and sort of how they communicate with each other and recognize each other's flaws and disagree with each other but still have a pretty healthy relationship and I'm just looking forward to seeing more of that in the future. I really like that analysis of where they're at and I think it makes sense because in a way Katara was Aang's savior even though Aang, we've talked about Aang as being like the superhero but she was the one who saved him at the beginning. Yeah. And that's another trope, I guess, of superheroes, is that you have, like, somebody else in their life who can save them. Actually, there's a song that I really like that is on the Princess Diaries soundtrack, which is called Supergirl. Have you ever heard this song? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I'm Supergirl, and I'm here to save the world, but I just want to know who's going to save me. So (laughs) uh, it's, it's that kind of idea. So it would make sense that Aang would see her as, like, a near flawless person. They're also getting older, right, is the other thing. Because when you're a kid, you have a tendency, I think, to see people in a very innocent way and kind of see the best in people. Yeah. And as they get older and as their relationship develops, I think it will be really interesting to see how they start to view each other. 
I think it's important to kind of point out not only how the characters are progressing, but their relationships as well. Absolutely. Sorry, anyway, back to <laughs> <laughs> No, no, that's that's fine. Where were we? <laughs> Sokka demonstrating his amazing ability to swing things in the opposite direction. <laughs> it's funny because we were talking about last episode about how Katara was able to manipulate people, and here we see that Sokka is kind of able to do that as well. He really thinks on his feet in this episode. Yeah, absolutely. He's trying, basically, to turn Zuko and the pirates against each other, and he succeeds. Yes, he does. Because <laughs> it leads us into an action scene that takes up the kind of final ten minutes of this episode. And a lot happens in this scene. Yeah, so this is kind of what I was talking about in the last episode, how Zuko's smokescreen idea comes back to bite him in the butt, because the pirates use the smoke bombs, and Zuko does not know how to get himself out of that situation. <laughs> oh, that's what you meant. Okay. Yeah. It's. I just thought that was some karma coming at Zuko right there. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting connection. I hadn't made that connection, but it does work pretty well. Yeah, I thought this was a really fun fight sequence. <laughs> I enjoyed it too. Yeah, it was really fun to see a non-bending fight scene. There was bending involved, but... Yeah, the pirates had all different kinds of weapons, including some swords. Swords are awesome. I, I was just going to say, it's it's so dynamic that I don't remember what order things happened in. Right. Because <laughs> so much happens all at once. So Momo frees Katara, which I remember because I thought that it was nice of him to free her, even though she whipped his butt. The pirates and Zuko are fighting... Yeah, the pirate captain is fighting Zuko. Right, and Iroh grabs Zuko by the ponytail, which I thought was hilarious, <laughs> and points out that, like, the gang is escaping with the pirate's ship. Aang frees himself with a, a spear that comes flying through the air, and then I think a, a knife or a dagger or something lands in front of Sokka, and he frees himself. <laughs> yes, yes, that's, I remember that. And there was a really funny sequence when... Aang airbended the smoke away and was like, Sokka, I'm over here. And then all the pirates were surrounding him. He was like, oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I enjoyed that part too. Yeah, but then they they end up going to the pirate ship. They're trying to push it back into the water. And they're like, well, we can't do this. It's too heavy. We need to waterbend it. Yes. And is this when uh, Aang and Katara waterbend together? Yes. Yes. So that was another instance where I thought that it really highlighted their ability to work as a team and how important that is. Sokka said something about needing rhinos to push the ship back in. <laughs> and Aang said, A team of rhinos or two waterbenders. And I just like that gentle affirmation that he gives her and how he knows that waterbending is her greatest source of pride. I just really liked that little moment. That is really nice. And it's also putting them on the same level, right? He's like saying, we're both waterbenders, you know? Yeah. We're together in this. We're equals, which is really nice. You and I both really like that in uh, in relationships on in media is when the two people are portrayed as equals. It's always nice to see. Yeah, together they managed to escape with the, the pirate ship and that is when Iroh realizes that. And then by the time he's realized that, the pirates have also escaped. With Zuko's ship. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and we get another really funny line where Iroh is like, Are you so busy fighting you cannot see your own ship has set sail? And Zuko's like, We have no time for your proverbs, uncle. But maybe it should be a proverb, <laughs> even though it's not. I think we need, like, a calendar where each day is just a different proverb from Uncle Ira. Oh, I would love that. I would totally buy that calendar. If anyone wants to make it and sell it on Etsy, I'm, I'm down. I was just going to say that I really like that scene. And I actually went back and watched it twice because you pointed out that Zuko laughs in that scene. And I hadn't even noticed the first time I saw it. I think he was laughing because the pirate's ship got stolen. <laughs> yes, I think so. Zuko literally laughs twice in the entire series. 
And this is one of those two times, so. <laughs> wow. He really is grumpy. It's understandable once we get the reason behind it, but for right now, it's like, dang, get a sense of humor, man. <laughs> yeah, especially when you hang around with Iroh, come on. Yes. Something I noticed was that after Zuko sees that the pirate ship has been taken, and he then sees that his own ship has been taken, and we see the pirates on the ship, and one of them is definitely about to moon Zuko. <laughs> yeah. And the camera cuts away just before he does it. Yeah, it was another one of those, like, censoring moments, how Zuko held up his hand when Ira stood out of the <laughs> hot springs. <laughs> it was really funny, and I actually only noticed that when I watched it the second time, so I'm glad I went back and saw it again. The gang's getting away, and the pirates are pursuing them, and a few of them manage to get on the ship and fight them, and Katara does the water whip, and she succeeds. Yay! Yay, Katara! <laughs> Maybe I should say, if you hear any grumbling in this episode, then it's Lucky. <laughs> My dog. <laughs> he likes to talk. I enjoyed seeing her her managing to, to water whip. And then she and Aang work together again, if I'm not mistaken? Yes. So they're about to go over a waterfall, and they're like, oh gosh, we gotta stop the ship. <laughs> So they create this kind of whirlpool and push and pull the, the ship away from the waterfall. Mm-hmm. And then they end up going over the side. Right, because Zuko's ship slams into the pirate ship. But, da-da-da, Appa to the rescue again. <laughs> we didn't even mention Aang's whistle this whole time. Yeah, so earlier in the episode, Aang has what seems like an impulsive buy, and he gets a bison whistle at the market. That's when Katara and Sokka are like, okay, Aang, you're not in charge of the money anymore. <laughs> but they kind of end up eating their words because that bison whistle comes in handy. Yeah, we were talking before we started recording about how it's really funny how in this episode, Momo is very cat-like in just kind of his gestures, and there's a part when he's kind of stretching himself out that was very cat-like. <laughs> and Appa is very dog-like in this episode. And this is one of the things, because it's kind of like a dog whistle, right? Presumably it's too high for us to hear. Well, you can hear a little bit, but not very much. Right. And uh, presumably it's it's made for bison. Yes. <laughs> that was another candidate of mine in something that might come back in the future, but I thought that was too obvious. Well, it definitely does come back, so... Yeah, um, I figured, because Aang has it now, so... But yeah, good job, Appa, saving the day once more. What would they do without him? <laughs> Who knows? They'd probably be dead by now, let's be honest. Probably. Especially last episode. There's this meme, Avatar the Last Airbender, and it shows, like, a giant book. And then it's like, Avatar the Last Airbender, if Momo had a gun. And it's, like, this really tiny book. <laughs> So it makes me think, like, Avatar, the last airbender of the big book, and Avatar, the last airbender, if Appa didn't exist, it would be a really tiny book, because <laughs> that would be it. <laughs> They'd just be toast. Yeah, Fire Nation would take over, the comet would destroy everything, and uh, that's it. Pretty much. <laughs> and then we end the episode, the episode ends kind of suddenly, I think, but there was just so much in it that I guess they just had to finish it. <laughs> but it just ends with Katara and Aang and Sokka flying off, and then we get this last line, which I, I am going to contest. Yeah, well, they think they've lost the waterbending scroll in the scuffle, but Sokka once again is like, hey, I'm clever, guys, look what I got. <laughs> he manages to get it somehow, and is like, well, here it is. But he demands that Katara tell him what she learned. But she says, stealing is wrong unless it's from pirates. And I disagree because of what I talked about before with the pirates code. <laughs> I think stealing from pirates is a very bad idea. True, true. Although it was stolen in the first place. So maybe that justifies it a little bit. And that wraps, wraps us up, I think. Very fun, light episode. Yes, which was kind of needed after the last one. <laughs> I agree, yeah. I think it's nice to have that tonal shift. You don't want to have, like, a lot of heavy episodes in a row. Yeah, well, the next one is heavy, too, so... <laughs> there you go. So, you know, it makes sense to, to put in a, a lighter episode in, in between. 
And I did want to mention that the pirates will come back, so. <gasps> really? Yeah. <laughs> Yay! Oh, that makes me happy. And I think two more episodes, so. Awesome. I'm, I'm excited to see them again. All right, so are we ready to move on to our awards? Okay. Do you have an MVP? Because I need to think about mine. <laughs> I really don't know for this one. I know. I was having a hard time thinking of an MVP for this episode. Maybe we can come up with one together. Okay. I think part of it is that, like, the three main characters kind of failed in a lot of ways in this episode, but then, like, redeemed themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's hard. <laughs> because, like, Sokka was extremely unhelpful and made some very not so great choices (laughs) when trying to deal with Aang but then at the end he made up for it and then Katara as well and Aang Aang didn't do a whole lot in this episode like I'm proud of him for the things that he did do but is he the MVP I don't know how about we do something weird and have the MVP be the gang because of their character growth. I like that. I think that works. I think yeah. they all worked really well together at the end of this episode. They kind of managed to overcome all of those those rough times that they had at the beginning. So I think that works well. <laughs> all right, then it's decided. The gang is the MVP. <laughs> yeah, the gang. They're a good MVP of this episode. Yeah. And secondary shout out probably to Appa. And Momo. And Momo. Because he freed Katara. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, he did. He did free Katara. So so what about most memorable moment? Oh, there's so many in this episode, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like I'm going to have to insert so many quotes. In there. <laughs> like I said, I really liked that fight sequence. And I think that section with Aang blowing the smoke away and then <laughs> blowing it back. <laughs> That just stood out to me because I'm not a a huge fan of, like, slapstick physical kind of humor, but when it works, it works, and that made me laugh. I think that's a good choice. I'm gonna go with something a little bit more uh, whimsical, and (laughs) I'm gonna go with the sequence where they're on board the pirate's ship. Because I think there was a lot going on in that sequence that was visually super interesting, and Aang haggling was hilarious. And I think you had mentioned in your notes that it reminded you of uh, Crazy Red in Animal Crossing. <laughs> yeah, I just am playing too much Animal Crossing. And also my island is based on Avatar The Last Airbender. So Crazy Red's ship and my island is kind of the pirate's ship. <laughs> yes, I've been watching you make your uh, Avatar island and I love it. <laughs> I think it's it looks super awesome so far. Thanks. Cool. Yeah, there we go. This episode was a little bit unusual, maybe, but uh, it was fun. I liked it. It was fun. Where are we going next week? You said it was pretty dark next week. I feel like it's a roller coaster. (laughs) I'm kind of glad we're watching it, like, week by week so we can take everything in and, I don't know, it gets pretty emotional. Next week we meet Jet, which is also the title of the episode. Mm. Jet is a very, very interesting character. And I think that, I don't know, I'm really excited to revisit this episode because I didn't have a lot of sympathy for him before. And I think that seeing it in a different lens and a more mature lens will be really good. And I don't want to give too much away, but (laughs) he's definitely an interesting character to talk about. And his character arc is kind of tragic, but yeah. Wow, okay, so on that ominous note, (laughs) um, we'll look forward to that. And then the episode after that, we're having a guest on, which I'm very excited about. I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) Me too. We are on Twitter at Ember Sayers. If you would like to follow us, that would be fantastic. And like we said before, I tweet out graphics of the MVP every episode, And I don't know if you noticed this, but the little copper pieces that they use for money, I put the gold pieces on the MVP graphics. (laughs) I did not notice that. That's awesome. I'm going to go look at those again now. Rach is so good with these little details. 
Oh, thank you. She's awesome. <laughs> I love that. That's really cool. Yeah, you also sometimes post random graphics that you make of weird things, I say. I like to try to find a meme for each episode, too, so those are fun. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, definitely check out our Twitter. If you want to, you can also email us, emberislandsayers at gmail.com, if you have any comments questions, suggestions, uh, we would love to hear from you and maybe we'll read those out on the podcast. We are also on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you could rate and review us, that would be fantastic. And please give us a five-star rating. That would be great. Let's make sure to stay flaming, everybody. <laughs> stay flaming, everybody.